Welcome to What Should I Do With My Life? Figuring it out from those who seem to have it all figured out. I'm your host, Stephanie Horowitz. When's the last time you stopped and asked yourself, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? Do I even like this? Join me as we hear the inspiring stories of real people to find out what they did and are doing with their lives. Are they satisfied? Would they have done anything differently? Maybe through these stories, we will figure out how to bring more meaning and passion in our day-to-day. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Today, we have a great episode with the amazing Beth Cohn Converse, who is a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. While dealing with migraine headaches in her 20s, Beth turned to acupuncture treatment to help herself, which ultimately sparked her interest and passion in Chinese medicine. In this episode, Beth gives us the one-on-one on acupuncture, discusses the unique challenges of working in a field that is less culturally valued in America, and shares what led her to open up her own practice. She's the only person I would willingly allow to stick me with needles. She is talented, empathetic, and a true healer. So without further ado, here is Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi, good morning, Stephanie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing in Israel? It's good. It's very hot. It's kind of like Tel Aviv knew it was August and just behaved like August. So I think we should just dive in. That sounds great. I'm excited to be here. So in one sentence, can you just tell me what you do? Yes, I am a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. So that means I practice using acupuncture therapy, Chinese herbal remedies, I counsel patients on diet and lifestyle changes so that they can get the health and wellness benefits that they're looking for. I just want to know, how did you know this was something you wanted to do? When did you realize this was your path? You know, I was a little bit of a late starter. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, in, in college, I was political science and I thought I might be an attorney and sort of got to the end of that and went, yeah this doesn't feel like me. So after I graduated, I did a number of different jobs in my early 20s. And, you know, a lot of them were sort of marketing related and PR. And I so I'm definitely a people person. And so I knew I enjoyed those type of things and ended up um, when I left Maryland, I was 22 and I relocated to San Diego. And in San Diego, I started to do some, some different things there. And one thing led to another. I grew up also, I had migraine headaches. So I was always looking for mm. how do I help myself? How do I find solutions for myself? And didn't really want to just medicate. I felt like with that, with migraines, you feel very you know, unpowerful. So I wanted something to give me more power. And so if I could figure out how to prevent them, I would feel better and you know, in, in that realm too. So uh, I ended up sort of finding it that way to help myself and then mm-hmm. really was interested. And I went and sat in on some classes when I was considering my acupuncture training, which was, I was at age 28 already and, um, and found it. And then once I did, I was like, this, this really feels like me. And to be perfectly honest, the guy that I saw in San Diego looking back, oh my gosh, his technique was horrible. I mean, he, it was very <laughs> painful. It was awful. And I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, am I really going to do this? You know? And I realize now just based on the feedback I get from my patients that it's very different. There are so many different styles of how you treat and how you're trained. And um, so it is a little amazing that I still chose the profession in spite of a little bit of my not great experience with it. But I like that it, it encompasses everything. I like that you really look at the whole person and you individualize care plans for that person. And it isn't, you know, one size fits all. 
you do a few different things, acupuncture and cupping and herbs. Do you have a favorite? I mean, what is your favorite method of treatment? There really isn't. I mean, I like Chinese medicine because you can incorporate all of it. People don't always need all of it. You know, I have a lot of patients that just come for the acupuncture and I do some body work or, or, um, you know, some people, I do a little bit of the acupuncture and then we get them on some herbs. I had a really interesting experience. Part of my, um, my history and my work history with acupuncture is I lived in New York city for two and a half years. And I worked in an, in, in an environment was this sort of an integrative medicine, they called it, but it was more, it was all acupuncture. So it was really at the time, it was people who had um, no fault insurance and they were really kind of popular pain clinics that way. So I didn't have the opportunity when I was there to practice any herbal medicine. So it was all acupuncture. It was very high volume clinics. So I would see anywhere from 23 to 29 patients a day, which was extremely factory style and not, and again, something I learned about how do I want to practice? And it was not my thing. So I, after doing that for a couple of years, I went, you know, I really enjoy, I miss the herbals. I miss the other lifestyle things, I, you know, I was basically just a technician, putting needles in, taking needles out, you know, and that was it. I didn't mm. have to do a lot. I pre- it was an integrative setting because it was a physiatry office and they had a chiropractor, they had a physical therapist, they had a massage therapist. And so the, the physiatrist who's an MD would put together a care plan, you know, for all of us to treat this person. And so it was multidisciplinary care, which was great, but I missed a big chunk of the medicine that I know how to use. And so after that, I said, you know, I I don't want to practice that way anymore. So it wasn't for me. It's so funny you say that because you have your own practice, which we'll talk about in a bit, but I know that I went to you the first time before I moved here when I was very stressed, I was having terrible migraines. And my experience was really the opposite of what you just said about the factory line. I came in. You were so happy to see me. Your dog was there. It smelled amazing. There were snacks. You offered me something to drink. It was so calming. I like cried during acupuncture. I I cried during everything. It was a a release and it felt amazing. So first of all, I think you do an amazing job of helping your patients feel seen and heard. And I have so many questions. I'm so overwhelmed right now, but... For the people who maybe don't know, can you just talk a bit about how acupuncture works? And we can, you know, talk about any of the different methods, but let's take acupuncture. What kind of patients do you see? What are their symptoms? Sure. Yeah. Um, I like to start a little bit further back and just say that traditional Chinese medicine has been around for over, you know, 5,000 years, specifically acupuncture. Herbal therapies also have a very long history. And having said that, we really also uh, currently bringing them into modern medicine, we're using them a little differently than how they may, you know, back in ancient China. So acupuncture in and of itself is using energy systems in the body that we call meridians. And these energy systems have names that are similar to our Western organs. They have some of the same you know, functions and sometimes they don't have the exact match. So when I say somebody has a problem with their liver meridian, it doesn't mean they have a problem with their Western organ liver. It's other things that we're looking at overall. Mm-hmm. And so the acupuncture itself, it releases biochemical change in the body. So when we put the acupuncture needles in, there's a change in the nervous system. And the, there's messaging from the brain to the body to release natural chemicals are called neurotransmitters. And they're enkephalins and endorphins. So the enkephalins are your pain relieving and pain changing um, chemicals that are produced. And then the endorphins are your relaxation chemicals. So endorphins also are produced when you laugh, when you exercise, when you eat chocolate, when you fall in love, they're all endorphin producing. So acupuncture is that way as well. So there is a bio 
chemical change, and they have studied that through allopathic medicine. And that's why patients are so surprised at how physically they just feel so different after they feel relaxed. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, it's thank you for sharing your experience because it, I, sometimes I can't explain what's going to happen for people with their release of things and peeling the layers of not just, you know, emotional, but physiological and energetic healing changes. And it is very rooted in biochemistry with the neurotransmitters, but there is a, a spiritual energetic part of it that I think people experience. And that's hard to really always articulate. Yes. And I know I remember feeling you're the only person, by the way, I would ever willingly Oh, let put you. needles in me. I <laughs> hate needles. Exactly. Hate needles. So do I. <laughs> don't give me shots. Don't give and me bl was... blood work. Oh my gosh, I'm terrible. But acupuncture, it's just different. It's and know, it the felt tiny amazing. Needles. I felt this way. I felt this. It was like a buzz. I felt yes. something over me, but it was very calming. That's your own biochemistry. That's the best part about it. Is that we're reawakening our own healing potential. Um, one of my sort of well, little pet peeve questions is, well, when people find out what I do, they're like, does it work? Right. And I, I kind of giggle at first because I'm like, well, I've been doing it 20 years. I, I'm kind of hoping it does somewhere along <laughs> the line, or maybe I'm a slow learner and I, I'm, I don't know, maybe I need a new profession. But, you know, and I always say, I go back, it has a very long history and it is like any other medical intervention. It's going to be some people who found it, find it fantastic and they're really going to get changes. There's some people who, whatever they're coming in for, it may not help. If people have never tried acupuncture and they're coming for the first time. They have many of the same concerns that you had that I had. Is it going to hurt? What's it going to feel like? I can't believe I'm going to feel better if I lay here for 20 minutes to a half hour with needles all over my body. <laughs> but when I explain sort of the, you know, the, the biochemical piece, people are okay. And then when I tell them really, to be honest, the gauge of the needle is so thin. They're very, very tiny filiform needles and they're not hollow. Like when you have blood work taken or you're getting a shot, you know, those needles are much thicker hypodermic needles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I try to explain it, sometimes it feels like a little pinch. Sometimes you won't feel anything at all. And once I start, I could talk for an hour, but if you're nervous, you're nervous. So I just have to start. And then once I put one or two in, they're like, that's it <laughs> usually. So right. there are people over the course of my 20 years that it has not helped. You know, we see Maybe I did three to five sessions and for certain pain syndromes or certain, you know, constitutional things going on with them. But overall, we see a lot of benefit. I wouldn't continue to do this work if I didn't find that there was really enough, you know, support and change for that person. And sometimes, you know, we, I have to work as a team. I can only, you know, I'm a conduit. So I, I'm providing treatment and I'm trying to give information and education, but some of the, the changes have to happen at, at the person's where, where they, you know, how they live, how they think, how they live, what they're doing in their lives. And, and a little bit of some regular acupuncture starts to change some of that patterning, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and again, we're looking at, you know, the, the central nervous system that starts to calm and get quiet and get centered. And from there, people find they can really think much better and they can operate much better in their lives. So, yes, you know, it's, I need it's a, you it's to move change. in with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need well, you here, you'll Beth. be home. So I'll see you when you come home. Oh my God. I need it. I read that you've worked with those who are dealing with addiction and recovery, breast cancer patients, those yes. after 9-11. Yes. Can you talk a bit about some of those experiences and what, yeah. what that was like? Pretty amazing to see some of it. Um, when I lived in New York City, I did a program. It was through NADA, which is the National Association for Detox Acupuncture. 
it was created by a, a physician who um, I believe he was a psychotherapist, Dr. Michael Smith. Um, he recently passed away a couple of years ago, but he found that when he incorporated just the ear acupuncture, there were a few specific points um, into addiction recovery programs that he found patients had less recidivism. They went back to using less and they were able to cope more when they went back into their lives. And some of them were actually mandated to go into these treatment programs. The actual acupuncture was always um, up to them as voluntary, but you could physically see the change in people. And I had that, that one experience when I lived in New York and I, I decided to get this just extra certification training. And it was amazing. I, I saw one lady came in and she was angry and she just had a terrible morning and she was pissed and she just pointed at somebody and they, she said, all right, come do my acupuncture. And he put a few needles in and she sat there for like, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes. And when he came and took him out, she walked out and she said, okay, bye, everybody have a good day. I never would have believed it. I mean, I was like, this woman was like horrid coming in and she was totally different going out. Um, the work that I've done, um, it was through Henry Ford and I was lucky enough to be part of a study and it was um, on breast cancer patients who had been in recovery and were on tamoxifen, which is a, a medication that's a, a, an estrogen blocker and they were experiencing hot flashes. Mm. So the study was actually comparing um, patients on the tamoxifen and those who, who, who did or didn't have acupuncture it was a comparison. And it was, it was published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology, which is really cool. Wow. And we just looked at what are their quality, what's the quality of life? You know, how much better are the flashes over the course? We did acupuncture twice a week for eight weeks and then once a week for four. So it was a total of a 12 week study. And the change was fantastic. People said, not only were my flashes less, you know, less intense, there were less of them. Um, I slept better. I felt better. People said my mood was better. All kinds of things, you know, the, the irritation that they might've felt with their family members or their kids was a lot less. So, you know, again, it was sort of taking just this really simple medicine and applying it in that way and finding that patients can see such a big change when their nervous systems are calmer. I lived in New York for September 11th. And my good friend and I were like, what can we do? I mean, this was really within the first 24 hours and they didn't really know what was happening. And so they set up a, a big center for what they thought was recovery, you know, um, rescue and, and help for people at the Jacob Javits Center there, which is, you know, a big convention center. And they asked for people who wanted, who had any kind of healing modalities, I think, to help out. So my friend and I, we did an, uh, a shift. We did an, a 24 hour shift. It was an overnight shift. Sorry. And, um, Unfortunately, you know, it was, it was tough. It, we were actually treating the rescue workers. So people that were out digging through um, mm -hmm. all the rubble and stuff, and, and they were on, you know, they were working 24 hours, they mm -hmm. were fatigued, they were just exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And we did, I unfortunately was only able to do one shift with that because I ended up getting a little cold and I, I got laryngitis and I said, I can't go back and treat mm -hmm. these people if I'm sick, you know? So, but my friend and I, they were so appreciative and she actually, she and I decided to treat together. So we did a combination of acupuncture and body work um, on all of these uh, these people that were that were doing rescue recovery. That's amazing, and you can really see how your work and you and what you're doing is really affecting people. Do you think that's it's like your biggest motivator, or that's a hundred percent? You know, one of my struggles I feel is that um, you know our this culture, American culture, I should say. Um, doesn't really value or respect what I do that much, you know, and I, I think it's starting to change. Obviously, I'm not a physician, but I have prided myself in really understanding a lot about 
Western medicine so I can support my patients in their journeys with that or recommend things to them so we can rule out bigger problems. And I can ask them, can you see your doctor and get these tests to make sure you don't mm -hmm. have this particular problem? And, you know, um, but that's part of why I've gone back to get my doctorate because I'm getting a lot more of that information that wasn't covered when I graduated over 20 years ago, you know, but I wish we were a little bit more love. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, I love you. It, it seems more widespread. People seem more open to acupuncture. They seem more open to working with herbs. But why do you think, like, why do you think there's that shift that people are more open? Is it this wellness movement? What is it? I, boy, if I had that answer 100%, I always know, I'm going to tell you, I mean, working at Henry Ford had a lot of positives when I was there in the Integrative Medicine Center, and it was an exciting job opportunity. It was a full-time job with, you know, benefits. And, but um, I always felt a little like a round peg in a square hole. They, you know, we were, all of the services that we practiced at our integrative division, none of them were covered by insurance. So already mm -hmm. that sort of separates us from a very allopathic very conservative health system that Henry Ford was and still is. I feel there needs to be a movement to really connect practitioners to each other. So for me to reach out to medical doctors and explain what I do and how I do it and how I can complement what they're doing. It's not an us and them. It's really a, how can we as a whole help this person to have a better life, mm -hmm. a quality of life and heal and help themselves, inspire them to heal themselves. I think there's a huge movement. Um, a lot of people in the world now don't want to take as many medications. Mm -hmm. I think physicians, unfortunately, because of insurance, they're up against a wall and they have to, they have to see more patients to make the same money. And because of that, they have very little time with patients. Mm -hmm. And there's a frustration from the patient side. You know, I've said, have you talked to your doctor about this? Well, he's always just pushing medicine or he's only in the room with me for five minutes. I really can't get to this. And so I see it from both sides. And I do feel that's part of why there's been a shift with wellness. And there's been a shift with let's get the patient involved in their own health care. I think back in the day, you would go and whatever your doctor said, told you to do, mm. you did no matter what mm -hmm. you didn't question, you didn't, you know, so if you were on five medicines and that was it, but, and you felt terrible because each medicine gave you more side effects right. and, and you weren't really getting to the root of things. And now I feel is so much more a part of the process. Right. Now they're saying, you know, wait, well, is there stuff I should be doing? Like, should I be eating differently? Should I be doing these exercises? What do you think I should be doing? Are there herbs I can take? Because I would like to maybe not take as much insulin, or I would like to you know, not take these anxiety medicines. I would like to right. have ways to, you know, and, and meditation and, and calming and all. so many things have, have really exploded in terms of wellness. And so I do think that's a reason why people are looking for more support systems from what is non-allopathic, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I might be a little different. If you, if you talk to a lot of, a lot of practitioners in California, they, they get to be sort of primary care so they can order labs and things. And, you know, they, they, they're their own entity. Here in Michigan, I can't do some of those things. It's not within the scope of practice in the state. So mm -hmm. I like to have those relationships with physicians and I like to understand how I can ask the patient, you know, I really want you to, when was the last time you had these labs checked? Oh, it's been a year and a half. I think you need to go back and let's just see what your baselines are. And then we'll know when, what we're incorporating into your treatment plan, how's it working? And you can go back in three to six months and get your blood drawn and see if your A1C has improved, you know, and at home, I want you to try to do some of these mm -hmm. exercises. So you really, there's more engagement with the patient in their own health journeys too. And I think some of that's changing. Truly, we need all of it. You know, I yes. mean, if you're in an accident, right, don't come to me because you hurt, right. you know, you need to go and you need to get x-rays, you know. So I feel like 
um, I think that's been a little bit of a challenge for some Western doctors. They say, mm -hmm. well, you know, well, I don't understand acupuncture. I don't know how it works. It hasn't been proven to work in studies and research, which is not true anymore. But, um, you know, but I feel like a, a really good doctor and a really smart doctor is one that says, you know, I may not know how to do it. I may not understand it, but, but I have some, I've had some patients with that have great success with it. Why don't we mm -hmm. have you try that for a little bit of time? And let me know if you're, if that patient of theirs comes and they try it and they, that doctor looks fantastic, even though they weren't the one to give a pill or to, you know, they thought outside their box and they went, let me think about some other things that might help you. And that patient will be super happy and they will, they will have even increased trust in that practitioner. So I feel like um, all of us, we all take an oath to do no harm, you know, and we all in my opinion, if you go into medicine, you are going to help people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having said that, I don't think we should shut any doors. I think we need to sort of be open. And even a physician can learn and understand about things. They don't have to practice acupuncture or practice chiropractic or practice right. what it is, but they, I believe as a primary person, you know, to help their patient, they should understand some things and be willing and open when their patient says, well, what do you think? Should I try acupuncture? I believe that physician should say, you know, that's not a bad idea. Hey, you know, you've had this right. neck pain for quite a while. You did mm -hmm. PT. You didn't have help. Medicines weren't great help. Why, why not? Try it. Let me know how it goes. Right. And so I feel like we all have to be open to that. But it makes which, so much sense. It really is the holistic approach where you're attacking it from all the angles. So I feel yeah, like that's and, the best chance of success. And I wish we would consider some of these quote unquote alternative things before we spend money on surgery or you have a patient go for three rounds of physical therapy and they keep saying they're worse, not better. Did you ever think you would have your own practice and how did this happen? What never. led you and inspired you to open up your own practice? Yeah, I mean, never. My whole family is Western medicine. My mom uh, was an RN and she went, she was, she was not on the medicine side. She went into administrative. So she was actually out in the community. She worked for the Baltimore city health department and she was um, an educator about high blood pressure. And she would go into different communities and educate and teach about how they can learn to, you know, uh, monitor their pressures, take their own pressures and et cetera. My grandfather was an OBGYN. He delivered over 5,000 babies in his career. Wow. Uh, all of my aunts and uncles are in medicine. Even one of my uncles, all of three, well, two out of his three kids are in medicine. So it's all, it was all, all Western. And honestly, I think looking back, I, I was thinking about why didn't I pick that route? One of them, I wasn't really drawn to it. But I think secondly, honestly, back then, I didn't have confidence in myself. I didn't really think I could do medical school. And I was a little nervous. As I mentioned, you know, I had migraine headaches. And so I thought, I can't be up all night like they do when they're residents. I can't have that weird mm -hmm. schedule. So I didn't really trust in myself. I didn't really think that I had the confidence, you know. And so sometimes at, at points in my career, I've thought, maybe I could have done that. Maybe I could have been a, a physician and then gone and studied this and had like both things or become a, you know, a nurse and then done that. And, and only because of that, I wish our culture would accept us more. You know, mm -hmm. I, I thought, gosh, if I had that Western medical fit in the box and then I added the out of the box, I would really cover everything. And, you know, at this point I'm 53, I'm not going to do that, but my doctoral program I think is going to help me also have a little bit more in terms of how our society looks at at education and training. And people are very surprised when they find out what my training has been, even my master's degree. And then now that I'm in a doctoral program, that's a, that's a huge thing. I never knew that was the extent of the training. Wow. You have a four-year master's degree. Yes, I do. And that's, you know, I'm an undergraduate. Yeah. Tell so you, them. Yeah. It's, you gotta, there are the you gotta, diplomas. there it is. And, um, and actually just before I started my doctoral program, funny enough, I just completed a four month, I did a um, medical cannabis certification. <laughs> 
sort of trying to share where does CBD fit in, where, you know, most of my patients don't really want the THC products right now. Mm -hmm. um, and unless it's a patient who has cancer and they're really suffering. I didn't think I was really going to do my own practice. I really haven't done it. I mean, everything I've done has been more part of a big group. And then when I was really unhappy at Henry Ford, there was a lot of administrative stuff going on. And I would go in treatment rooms and cry. Like I just was miserable. And I said, is it, am I done with Chinese medicine? Like, you know, I remember saying, should I maybe look into, I looked into a PA program and I thought maybe should I go and be like a Western person? And, and then I realized it was the environment, not what I was practicing. Mm -hmm. So when I talked with my husband about it and, you know, we looked at the insurance piece and everything and I decided, you know, I think I'm, I got to leave. I can't stay working here anymore. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling healthy anymore. And when I gave my notice and left, you know, it was very freeing because as part of a, a Western medical system that was so conservative, there was a lot of no, you can't do mm -hmm. this. No, we can't do that. We can't do that. When I'm in my practice now, if you said to me, I'm here on Saturday, I said, I'll meet you at the office. If you need a specific herb or you need some supplements, I'll order them for you. You mm -hmm. know, there is no restriction. And I like that. I like being able to do what I need to do, how I need to do it for my patients. So it was very freeing. I mean, it's scary. I didn't want to borrow a dollar from my husband. I'm one of the, I How did like, you know okay. what to do? Well, you know, funny enough, my colleague now, she had already been in a part-time private practice and part-time at, she was at Beaumont. And I said to her, I'm, I'm leaving all of Henry Ford and I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket. I'm scared, you know, and she said, you'll be able to do it. Don't worry, you'll be able to do it. And she was right. You know, I, and I'm not that organized, to be honest. I think my business could be even better if I had like a really good business part of me. Um, I'm more the emotional, so I'm not the one that's really good. I don't have all my patients in a in a you know spreadsheet, and I don't send out every. I'm super not organized like that at all. <laughs> I do sort of the personal thing, you know, like new patient, write them a little. It's great to meet you today. Looking forward to helping your care, and I mail it. So mm -hmm. I'm still a little old school with that stuff, and mm -hmm. I haven't used it, but it's worked for me. I've never needed to advertise, and you know, I feel like um, I, again, from my past experience, I don't want to see 15 people a day. Um, you know, I, I don't want that high volume clinic. So you trade it. I think you trade off, you know, that, that one-to-one -one experience and how, how, you know, you just shared how you felt when you were in our office. That's what we want people to feel. We don't want them to feel like we didn't spend time or it was a little factory or it was, you know, you were rushed I wanted or to stay forever. <laughs> that's what everybody says. And you know, it's really funny. They come in the door right away and they're like, oh my gosh, like, I'm already feeling like chill and relaxed. Yes. I'm like, you yes. haven't seen anything yet. And then they come yes. back in the room and that's what we want. We want it to be like a little microcosm away from yes. the craziness of the world. And, you know, um, I've learned a lot of things, you know, two people that have influenced me. First of all, my grandfather said to me, he saw a special called Healing and the Mind. It was by Bill Moyers back in the day. And I was just starting acupuncture school. And he said to me, I think you're onto something because this special was like on TV and he had it on a VHS <laughs> mm -hmm. and he sent it to me. He said, I want you to watch this. And it was all about thinking about outside of what we know about medicine. So um, my grandfather gave me like his thumbs up, which was super important for me. Um, my mom, great advice she gave me, which I don't know would really still be apl applicable in today's world. But when I was moving to San Diego, before I had decided anything about acupuncture school, um, I was interested in being in hotel management and marketing and stuff. And she said, you know what? I think you should do informational interviewing. And I go, well, what's that? She's like, well, you look at what industries you're interested. You want to do this. She said, you look at maybe different hotels. I was coming out for a visit to San Diego. And she said, send them a letter ahead. 
and explain that you're going to be there and that you're interested in that industry, could they meet with you for 15 to 20 minutes and share their story? She said, everybody loves to talk about their story, right? <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. And I met with like four or five different sales managers of different hotels. And when I came back, I wrote the old school thank you note. And I was moving to San Diego in about two weeks or three weeks after that. And one of the managers had his assistant call me and offer me a job that they had. And I said, and I, I said, well, I'll be there in two weeks, you know? And she said, yep, he really would like you to start. And I, I said to myself, well, and then I asked her, I go, um, did he have other applicants like that were local? And she goes, oh yeah, but he really was impressed with you. And he really liked you when he met you. And so he just, he, when the position came open, he thought of you. So I moved to San Diego and that was my first job in San Diego at the Marriott Twin Towers in downtown San Diego. Oh, wow. and I was an executive meeting management assistant and that's kind of how I started in San Diego. But, you know, so my mom taught me that, you know, you, you just have to do things a little differently and connect with people and they will remember you. Yeah. That, I think your, your personal touch of writing the thank you notes, it doesn't matter then now. I mean, especially now, cause that hardly exists anymore. Exactly. That's memorable. It makes people feel like you care. And the other person who moved me in the direction of energy, uh, when I was in San Diego, my stepmom that I ended up, that I moved there with my stepmom and, and half sister, um, her, her second husband, she married my dad and he passed away and, um, she married Paul Brenner and he is an MD. He used to be an OBGYN in his day. And he had this crazy change in his trajectory and he ended up leaving Western medicine and becoming like a therapist and an energy healer. And through him, when I moved to San Diego, I got even more sort of reinforcement and guidance about energy medicines and how it's possible and how it's different from the way we typically think of medicine and healing. So he was a big influence for me too. And learning from him, and then I started studying essential oils and just that sort of was guiding me in that direction, you know? Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing. You know, I was so excited when you asked me to do this because I, I never think, well, who would want to know my story? Like, it's kind of funny, you know? It's and then when I started telling my story, I'm like, you have been through some things. You have learned you things have over the years. You have been through a lot of things and especially people who think they should be doing something just like you said, oh, I should be doing westernized, more commonly accepted kind of medicine. Yeah. And you went for something else. And not only did you just go for something else, you are excelling. You started a practice. So you're doing the doctoral program now. So what yes. inspired you to do that? And what tools are you hoping to get? They, um, well, it's through my school in San Diego. So it's an all online program. And um, they came out with it probably close to five years ago. And in the beginning, I, I just thought maybe they didn't have all the, you know, all their the stuff worked out, all the little things. And so I thought maybe I'll wait a little bit. And I, I did this, uh, the, medical, the medical cannabis certificate. And I worked really hard on that. And unfortunately, I was kind of disappointed by the, the content. We were the first group of students to go through that. And I had a lot to say about that. And then I started looking into the, into the, um, you know, the curriculum. And I feel number one, that a lot of the younger students are coming out with their doctoral degrees already. So, um, you know, that will put them a leg above where I was 20 years ago when I came out with my master's degree. And uh, my school has changed. It used to be Pacific College of Oriental Medicine, and now it's Pacific College of Health and Health and Sciences, I think they call it health sciences. So they're branching out. And for me mm -hmm. as a practitioner, um, I want to continue to really learn. And I want um, the, a lot of the content so far has not been stuff that I had ever been taught back in the day that I just learned myself along the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking ahead. I, I'm 53. I would like 
perhaps to do some teaching. And as things get more evolved in university levels and other, you know, other institutions, I may not want to be all clinical. So I, mm -hmm. you know, when, as I move towards sort of semi-retirement and then retirement, I might want to work just two, three days a week in the clinic and maybe teach a class or two. It does get tiring to be in practice all, you know, all the time and caring only just caring for people all the time. And so I thought, you know, I'm, I would love to teach. I, well, I love to lecture. I haven't done much of that since I've been in practice, you know, on my own, because it really means taking time out of the clinical schedule. So I haven't done that. But I used to lecture all the time at Henry Ford to physicians and nurses and people in other modalities. And um, I love it. And also to the community. So it, I do believe I come alive in front of an audience. I might be scared to death and feel sick before I get on there. But then once I start, totally, I, I'm in my land. I'm in my zone. So, yes, so me too. I feel very similar. You're great I at this. Freak this is out like a, beforehand and then it's like, I'm alive. You know, my mom told me the one time I had to talk to a huge group of doctors at Henry Ford and I was super excited, but I was new there. I was new in, in you know, I was a new staff person and everything. And I was speaking with um, my, one of my co-directors, he, he's, he was a PhD in um, neuroscience and he, he basically does think he knows everything on the planet, but, um, but I was so scared and I thought, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? Like my stomach was killing me. And, and my mom said to me the night before, you know, just remember this when, you, even though you're talking to doctors, they don't know what you know about your profession and your career and what you've done over these years. So you are the smartest person in that room mm -hmm. about your topic. Mm -hmm. So stop, you know, I used to lecture wanting people to believe me and wanting people to know that it's authentic and that it works and trying to convince people. I have completely given that up completely. Mm -hmm. And so now I just lecture to enjoy and inform and kind of educate. And I, I really have less connection to whether they believe me or not, or whether they are a fan of acupuncture, you know, people you meet them. Oh, I had that. I hated it. It didn't work for mm -hmm. me. I'm like, well, everyone I'm has sorry. their opinion and they're going to give it to you. Exactly. I said, well, I'm really yeah, sorry. It didn't work for you. You know, I, I don't know Definitely. about what kind of care plan you have, but I'm more than happy if you're still having some problems come, you know, let me give it a try and see if I can support you. But I do try to connect with them with language that they would understand, right? So if I'm talking mm -hmm. to a Chinese medicine audience, our verbiage, our vocabulary, and our medicine is totally different. When I'm speaking to a Western medical group, I need to bridge the gap. I need to have them understand what our vocabulary means in their terms so that it doesn't sound so wackadoody and I'm out in the world, you know, like what right. is she talking about? Qi and you know, yang, verbiage, yin. verbiage. <laughs> totally. So you, once you connect, they're like, oh, that's what that means. Right. Oh, that's how they approach that. Definitely. And something I wanted to bring up, by the way, before you said, you know, it can be really exhausting to see patients every day. I wanted to know what are some of the biggest challenges in your work right now? Yeah, it, you know, um, when COVID first started, because there was such lack of information, we did close our office for a few weeks. When we decided to come back, it was mostly because we really felt that we could protect others and ourselves very well, but yet we had a lot of good information for people. And really the stress levels and the nervousness and the fear, uh, not to mention, you know, people wanting to know, can I do anything to help my own immunity? And in Western medicine, we really don't have much. Um, but when we started back into our clinic, we, uh, my colleague and I decided to work opposite days. We took down mm -hmm. the volume of patients. So instead of a patient every half hour, we're pretty much seeing one an hour. We're starting now to get back up, but we are masking and we're wiping and we're just, you know, really being safe. Mm 
-hmm. but we felt sad because we know that our medicine helps so much with that nervous system. And we had ideas more than ever. And we were like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I had a patient I couldn't see for a couple months and she's a a patient with cancer. And, you know, she just, she came back in and she had had a really rough few months. And she said to me, you know, I realized not being here for those few months, like this was the only place I felt like I was healing at all. Hmm. And I felt sad, you know, and I said, I'm sorry, I couldn't have been here right in the beginning but now it's safe and I feel comfortable treating you and knowing that you'll be safe. And that's what it's about respecting everybody's, you know, where where they are and meeting people where they are. And I still have a lot of patients, not a lot, but a handful that won't come back yet, you know, because they're still concerned and that's okay. Um, Everybody has to decide what their comfort level is for this. But, you know, we, and if patients don't want to come in, I'm happy to do zoom or Mm -hmm. FaceTime and say what's happening for you okay, yeah, you need some herbs. Yep. We'll go ahead. You can just, I'll leave them outside the office. We can pay mm-hmm. over the phone. You can PayPal me, whatever. And they mm-hmm. can still get what they need, you know, or they're like, I'm just nervous. I feel weird all the time. And if they're not ready to come have acupuncture. I can recommend herbs. I can recommend supplements. Um, so, and, and recommend uh, meditation techniques or Definitely. exercise, just different things, you know, how, what, what can they do? And so we talk over the phone and, um, you know, or a zoom call and that has been good. It's hard to do telemedicine really with my medicine. Cause as you know, it's so experiential, you know, I can't like, here's come as a needle right here. You know, I'd run away from the screen. Exactly. That's just, I can't, (laughs) but for the piece of, you know, supplements or I'm so stressed out, what can I do? You know, there's a lot of tools that I can try to share with them that they can do at home. I mean, we all need support in different ways. And I need to help myself, you know, I had a lot of stress with my dog's health and, you know, and, and being out of work for a few weeks, knowing that I can't help other people. So I have to sort of turn that on myself and, and do things for myself. I've stopped saying to patients when they come in, how are you? Because it's just too loaded. And I, so I say to them, you know, let come back, let's see how we can help support things shifting for you. What's happening, you know, and they just tell me these things. So we find, we, I'm trying to change again, we're going back to verbiage, right? I'm trying to change my choice of words. And so that they feel like I'm there, but we don't all talk over and over about the same things that have been very depressing, you know, you know, and people, people now feel so isolated. And so even the hands-on, you know, doing the body work at the end and doing warming moxa, it's so nurturing and it kind of people, it gives, brings people back into their bodies and back into their center. And then they're like, Oh, okay, that was good. All right. I can, yeah, I think I can move forward from here. You know, it was really cute. One of my patients I've seen for a long time, he just came in and I hadn't seen him since the end of January. He has a lot of physical problems and he does live in a senior place and they were on lockdown. So he finally came in and he's like, this hurts, this hurts, blah, 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 blah. You know, and he had some, he had prostate cancer. So he had treatments for that in the last six months. And so I said, okay, we're going to turn the clock back here. I said, this is what we're going to do here. I said, would you like to be 26 again? Would you like to feel like you're 26? Or do you want to maybe go for 32 at the end of treatment? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, maybe 30s. I said, I don't know if I want to go back into my 20s. He's like, me either. So we do this treatment and he comes out to the front desk and I could just tell his, we call it the Shen, the spirit, you know, his eyes looked clearer. He looked happier. He looked lighter. And I said, how are things feeling? He goes, wow, I feel really good. I go, okay, so we, what age? Maybe 45. He goes, oh, I don't know. He goes, I feel so good. I feel like I'm six. And I said, well, six, I can't let you leave. You can't drive until you're 16. I said, you need to at least be 16, feel 16 when you walk out this door because I can't let you drive at age six. You started a practice and are getting the doctoral degree now and you're thriving. And you said there was a really a crisis moment before all this happened where you weren't happy in your previous place of work and it wasn't aligning with 
your values and your who yeah. you were and what you wanted to do. So I feel like there are a lot of people in that situation. And I just want to know what would you tell people who want to throw in their hat? I'll tell you one thing that I did when I was feeling that way is there's a, there was a book called What Color Is Your Parachute? It's an old book about right um, figuring out what you're good at and what you like. And I, even though, again, I'm a little old school that way, but I, I tell patients like maybe get that book and start to, to sort of look and say, people, it. you know, yeah, it's great. And so just mm -hmm. like, okay. And now even in, in today's environment, there's even more opportunities and possibilities, right. With all the online and working from distance working and all that, but um, to sort of reconnect with that part of you. Uh, I think people stay in things that they're not happy with because of finances sometimes, or because of pressure, family pressure or whatever it is. I had great support. You know, my mom's like, whatever you want to do. I mean, she would support me if, if I, you know, wanted to go back to PA school. I was married at the time and I was talking to Dan about it. And he said, what, you know, whatever you want. And I had to really get clear. Was I unhappy with practicing Chinese medicine period? Or was I unhappy because of where I was practicing? And it turned out that was the issue. So, but, you know, a lot of people, um, and I'm not using my undergraduate degree at all, but, you know, it was, a, it was a stepping stone and I had to learn about myself that I didn't want to be an attorney. That wasn't really my thing. So I would just have people try to do a little bit more internal searching like that and use tools um, you know, the Briggs-Myers testing for personality traits or all these kind of things that have been around a long time. And, and really get clear with that. I think one challenge with online stuff is always that everybody's comparing themselves. It looks like somebody's life is better than theirs. And unfortunately, it's not usually the case. It's what we're putting out as a front because, you know, and then there are some people that are very real online too. But I think now some of the younger generation, they all want to be influencers. They all want to be the it person. They all want, there's not room for that. So we have to find, turn those gifts that you think you would be good at that. There's plenty of other opportunities for you too. And to take the time and say, it's okay if you want to do that for yourself and maybe not take the path that you thought you would. Some, some gifts are coming. And sometimes I don't think like with me too, I was a little bit of a late bloomer, you know, so it was frustrating. All, everybody else that I knew, knew their past. And they did great. My brother knew what he wanted and he's done really well over these years. And, and, you know, my, my bank account may not look like theirs, but I still feel a sense of accomplishment and, and happiness and, you know, there are times when I go home and I'm around my family and they're all, you know, they make a lot more money than I do. And, you know, and I kind of come back and feel a little down with myself, but then I have to reconnect, like you said, and look at my journey, what I've done and, and what I'm accomplishing and what I'm doing right now for myself and try to boost myself up and realize like, it's okay. I, I don't have to look like that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm happily married. I have a good practice. I'm, I'm living life. I'm doing okay. And um, you're helping and I, a lot of people and I help a lot of people in a different way. Right. I mean, I have a cousin that's an orthopedic surgeon. I have another one that's a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. And I went through a lot of depression in my twenties. And when I was trying to figure out what, what is my path? What the heck do I want to do? And once I really committed to acupuncture school, I found the light inside myself. And even through that, it was bumpy in the beginning. It wasn't making a lot of money. You know, I was doing another job and just doing that on the side. So but I think our, our world is changing. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. We just have to trust ourselves. Definitely. Well, I think you have such an inspiring story. And I know you said, yeah. well, why would anyone want to listen to my story? But I think it's inspiring the different kind of crossroads you had. Mm -hmm. And I think you should be super proud of everything that you've done. I can't wait to see you more. I know, what I can't wait to give you a hug. Teaching. <laughs> exactly. And a prick. And a, a prick. hug and a prick. Well, this but was thank wonderful. You thank so you so much. This was I great. really appreciate it. 
Hi all, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want to thank Beth for taking the time to chat with me. Beth kind of stumbled upon her passion. She was having migraine headaches, went to get acupuncture, and ended up falling in love with the world of Chinese medicine, and that became her life's work. So I think it just shows us that even if we're not looking for it, or even when it's least expected, our passions could be just around the corner and we need to keep our eyes wide open. I also love that Beth is very passionate and believes in what she does. She talked about some of the challenges of being in a, an industry that isn't necessarily totally appreciated or valued in our culture. And despite that, she's made an impact on a lot of people and helped a lot of people and she's true to herself and I really value that and I think that's something we can all take with us that if we believe in what we're doing and know the value of our work that's the most important thing and that's it for today